If you have your Bibles this evening, the scripture is found in John, the 13th chapter, and I'll be reading verses 13 through 15. That's John 13, 13 through 15. You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. There are always opportunities to serve if we'll look for them. As a matter of fact, God intends for us to be servants. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been dealing with the subject, the theme of improving your serve. Just like in tennis or in racquetball or in ping pong, you can always work on the fundamentals of how you serve the ball. The same thing is true of being a servant of God and a servant of your fellow man. We can work on this, we can practice this, we can become better servants. And I believe that God intends for us to do just that. Did you know that Benjamin Franklin was one of the greatest early American writers? Out of all of our founding fathers, you want to look at their their body of work, the, the things that they wrote, Benjamin Franklin was one of the best writers. It's pretty much universally acknowledged. Do you know how he became a good writer? When Benjamin Franklin was a young man, very young man, his father got some of Benjamin Franklin's letters and he read them and he said, these are not very good. Your arguments are not good. Your vocabulary could be better. He, he just went through a litany of things that could have been done better. You know what Benjamin Franklin did? He went and found people that he knew were good writers And he started taking their essays and he took their letters and he took their arguments and line by line, sentence by sentence, he would put their letters and arguments in his own words and then he would try to reverse it and go back and make the argument that the original author made. He did all kinds of meticulous things like that. He was just wired that way, I guess. And for whatever reason, he thought that was a great discipline to be involved in. And do you know what? Because he practiced with deliberate intensity, because he desired to become a better writer, he became an excellent writer. I believe that God intends for us to look at our model, Jesus Christ. Just like Benjamin Franklin looked at those authors that he respected and admired, God intends for us to look at the author of our salvation, Hebrews 2 verse 12, 12 verse 2. God intends for us to look at Jesus Christ and he wants us to emulate him, to be a servant like he is. Jesus Christ is the servant of all. And in becoming more like him, there ought to be some deliberate practice in our lives how we can be better servants. Think of some of the things that Jesus said about servanthood. Mark 10, 45, the son of man, that's Jesus, did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came specifically to serve. He is the servant of all. In the passage that was read just a moment ago, Jesus says, you call me teacher and you call me Lord, so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher, if I, the one who you're following, who you're listening to, who is in authority, your Lord, if I have washed your feet, he says to the apostles, you also ought to wash one another's feet. I have competition. 
I don't know what that was. You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, Jesus says, that you should, watch this, do as I have done to you. It's not just about good intentions. It's not just about warm, fuzzy feelings towards somebody else. It's about action. It's about doing what you know is right, serving. What I'd like for us to do with our study tonight is this. I'd like to show you eight characteristics of the service of Jesus. When Jesus, our Lord and Master, our great example, when he served, how did he serve? And here's a challenge for you. Pick just one of these eight characteristics of the service of Jesus. Pick just one and say, I want to practice that more in my life. I want to practice that characteristic and I want to become more like Jesus in that area of my service. Because if we're striving to be like our Lord, God will help us and he'll bless us in that effort. Notice, if you will, the ways in which Jesus served. Number one this evening, Jesus, our Lord and master, was a thoughtful servant, a thoughtful servant. You know, there are not very many thoughtful people. When you stop and just really put a fine point on it, when you go to the store, when you're out in traffic, there are just not many considerate people, it doesn't doesn't seem these days. But when you look at Jesus and the way that he loved other people, he was thoughtful. In John chapter 13, verses 4 and 5, there were 12 apostles and one Savior at the Last Supper. 13 men around the table. All 13 of those men had dirty feet. The only one of those 13 men who thought about washing feet was the Lord. You think about being thoughtful. Jesus just looked and saw and understood a need and he did something about it. The Bible says he got up from supper and he wrapped a towel around his waist and he took a basin of water and he began to wash each apostle's feet. He observed a need. He did something. In another passage in John chapter 6 and verse 5. The multitudes were following Jesus and they had not eaten for quite some time. Jesus, it says in John 6, verse 5, lifted up his eyes and he saw the crowds were hungry and he turned to his apostles and he said, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? What's the point? Jesus was thoughtful. He looked at people. He thought about what was going on in their hearts. He thought about what their needs were and Jesus strove to meet needs. That was who he was. It was what he was all about. Maybe one of the things we need to do in our service to others is practice the discipline of opening our eyes. And I'll tell you this, if you live with other people, if you live with other people, there are other people in your home, the very first place where you can open your eyes concerns the people that you live with. Opening your eyes to needs, to opportunities. If we're looking If we're thoughtful, we can become more like Christ in offering service to others. Here's a second way in which Jesus was a great example as a servant. Jesus was selfless. It's hard to be selfless. We get so wrapped up in how we feel and what's going on with us. 
and the opportunities that we're forsaking and the, and the things that we're not able to do. We get so wrapped up in ourselves that it's difficult to be selfless, to really consider what's best for others. But Jesus was selfless in the way that he served. Open your Bibles with, you, with me, if you would, for just a moment to Mark chapter 9 and look at verses 33 through 35. Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 33. Jesus was leading his apostles, and the Bible says that they'd been walking down a road for quite some time, and Jesus turned around, and this must have really embarrassed the apostles. In Mark chapter 9, verse 33, Jesus says, they came to Capernaum, and Jesus was in the house with them, and he asked them, what was it that you guys were disputing about on the road? And in verse 34, the Bible says of Mark 9, They kept silent, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. And Jesus sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. What's that about? Selflessness. Service. Service to all. Being last of all. Over in Mark chapter 10, verse 44, the very next chapter, Jesus had this to say, whoever of you disciples desires to be first shall be slave of all. That's the way it works in God's economy. That's the way it works in God's kingdom. And I believe both of these following statements are accurate based on what Jesus teaches. Number one, It's not wrong as a Christian to want to be, quote unquote, great. Whoever desires to be great, whoever desires to be first. It's not wrong in and of itself to want to be great. Second statement has to to follow it, though. It's how we try to be, quote unquote, great that matters. Jesus says it's not wrong to want to be great, but here's how you do it. The way that you find greatness, the way that you become great in the kingdom is by being last, by putting yourself at the end of the line, by thinking of others, by being selfless, by being a servant, by being a slave. What if we measure greatness in the church the way Jesus does? What if we measured being an effective servant of God the way that God does? It's not wrong to want to be great. It's how you try to be great that matters. Put yourself at the end of the line. Selflessness. Not only was Jesus a thoughtful servant and a selfless servant, but how about this? Number three, he was humble. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Philippians chapter 2, and I want you to look at verses 6 through 9. Philippians 2, verses 6 through 9. The Scripture talks about where Jesus came from and how he came to this world. It says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 6, Jesus, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, Philippians 2, 8, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Where did Jesus come from? The Bible indicates in this passage, he left heaven to come to earth. There are some pretty great things about earth, but it cannot and never would compare to what heaven is like. I guarantee that. 
Jesus came from a greater place to a lesser place, heaven to earth. Not only that, but his occupation. He is sovereign ruler of all creation. He is the one that created all things, Colossians 1.16. And yet he humbled himself and came as a servant. When you think about who Jesus is, his submission is mentioned here. Even though he's the one with all authority, Matthew 28, verse 18, the Bible says he became obedient. He learned obedience by the things he suffered, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. When we talk about Jesus, we talk about his humiliation, even the death of the cross. There was nothing when it came to blessing other people's lives. There was nothing that Jesus wouldn't do to genuinely and truly bless other people in meaningful, God-honoring, God-exalting ways. Jesus never looked at a work or a task or a responsibility and said, I'm better than that. I'm too good for that. I'm above that. Jesus didn't do that. He was humble. And perhaps one of the things we ought to do as we consider our own service is ask the question, with God's mirror held up to our hearts and our lives, is there something that I think I'm too good for? Is there a work that I'm above, that I'm just not going to get involved in because I'm better than that? We're not very much like Jesus if that's the truth about us. He was a humble servant. Next, Jesus was a willing servant. You know, sometimes when we talk about servanthood and being a servant, it's almost like somebody has to drag us kicking and screaming into service. And that's not the kind of servanthood that God desires, and that's certainly not the kind of servant that Jesus is. In John chapter 10, verse 11, a passage we referenced this morning, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Willingly lays down his life for the sheep. He cares about the sheep. He cares about those for whom he is responsible. He's a good shepherd. How did Jesus lay down his life? The scripture indicates there was no resentment and no grumbling. Can't believe I have to do this for these sinful people. And look at the gratitude I get. As they hang me on the cross and I suffer and die for their, for their sins, they're mocking me and they're ridiculing me and all of my disciples have abandoned me. Jesus never said any of those things. The way that he served, he served willingly He served gladly, without resentment. Jesus had considered the cost of servanthood in advance. You know, that's something that you and I ought to do. It's a great thing to talk about being a servant. It's a great thing to sing songs like, make me a servant, Lord, make me like you. But to consider what it really genuinely means to be a servant, it means that we're giving up things that are precious and meaningful sometimes to us so that we can bless other people. Jesus did that willingly. When you drive through Chick-fil-A and you say thank you, as a corporation, as a company, they train their employees, although they don't do it as much as they used to, at least not in my experience. They're supposed to say my pleasure. Thank you for serving me. It's my pleasure. If you could ask Jesus in serving mankind and giving all that you gave and doing all that you did, What was your attitude? Jesus would say, it was my pleasure. 
I did it because I did so gladly, because I love you, because I'm concerned about you, and because I was looking forward to the joy of being with you forever one day in heaven. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. What kind of servant was Jesus? He was a consistent servant. You know, this past week has given some opportunities for some of us to be servants. It's kind of funny. I was observing this week that last year we all learned how to be amateur epidemiologists, right? We all know about diseases and how it all spreads and things like that. Now we're learning to be amateur plumbers. Oh, and we also know more about the electrical grid than we did a week ago, how that works. We're just learning all kinds of things. There are opportunities to serve in, middle, in the middle of a crisis, in the middle of a difficult time. But to be consistent in our service on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, that's tough to do. Because it becomes a grind sometimes when we're serving someone. And especially if we're serving someone in a long-term kind of way, it can become difficult. Jesus is our model even in this. When Peter preached to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Peter said that Jesus, the servant of God, went about doing good. I don't know that there's a better epitaph you could put on anybody's gravestone than that. Here lies a person who went about doing good. And that's what Peter said about Jesus. The way that he lived his life, he was a doer of that which was right, of that which was good. A moment ago, we read Mark chapter 10, verse 45. I didn't come to serve, be served, I came to serve, to give my life a ransom for many. Jesus had a mission statement. You know, you ask early Christians, what are you? Who are you? Early Christians characteristically would respond, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. Read the beginning of the New Testament letters, Romans and Colossians and 1 Corinthians. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. James, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. James chapter 1, verse 1. They called themselves servants. Why? Because that was the mission statement of their Savior. He was consistent in the way that he served. He came and he healed the sick and he caused the blind to see and he raised people from the dead. He served people with compassion and showed the greatness and the glory of God in doing so. He was consistent in his service. In Acts chapter 4, verse 30, the early Christians prayed to God the Father. And as they were praying, they said, we remember the things that your holy servant Jesus did. Who is Jesus? He's a holy servant of God. That was his identity. Consistent. Going about doing good. Who was Jesus? What kind of servant was he? A loving servant. And again, don't forget the challenge. The challenge is, take just one of these words, just one of these concepts and say, I'm going to do that more in my life. I'm going to be more consistent. I'm going to try to be more humble. I'm going to try to be selfless or willing and not grumble and complain when I serve. How about being loving? Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 10 if they're not still there. Mark chapter 10. And I want you to notice in verses 21 and 22. The Bible says a rich young ruler comes and asks Jesus about eternal life. And I've always loved just the the nuances of what's said in this particular chapter. In Mark 10, verse 21, then Jesus looked at that rich young ruler and loved him and said to him, 
one thing you lack. Go your way. Sell all that you have and give to the poor. Whatever you have, uh, excuse me, you will have treasure in heaven. And come take up the cross and follow me. Jesus loved this man enough to tell him what he really needed to hear. A loving servant. That's not always easy to do. To confront people with things that are difficult for them to hear. And to do so in the right way, at the right time, with the right words. He was a loving servant. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, he says, Come unto me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, are you weary? Are you tired? I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus loves you. He invites you to come to him. He's a loving servant. He's a Lord. He's a king. He's a servant. And when we serve others, we ought to serve out of genuine compassion and love for other people's souls. Galatians 2 verse 20, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, watch this, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul had internalized, Jesus did that for me. He served me when he died on the cross. And I want to serve others through love. We are to have, the Bible says, a faith that works through love. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6. What kind of servant was Jesus? He was a creative servant. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Luke 14. Luke chapter 14, creative. Think about all the different ways Jesus chose to heal people. Sometimes he wouldn't even go see the patient. He would just speak a word. Sometimes he would go and he would put everybody out of the room. And he would, for example, with Jairus' daughter, he would say, Talitha Kumai, little girl arise, Mark chapter 5. Sometimes he would make clay by spitting on the ground and put it on a blind man's eyes. His power was all the same. He could just speak and it would happen. But there's creativity in the way that Jesus chose to serve others. And there's creativity in the ways, in the manner, in the manifold different avenues in which Jesus served other people. In Matthew 7, verse 12, he said, Whatever you would have men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now watch this. In Luke 14, verses 12 through 14, Jesus says to those who invited him, When you give a dinner or a supper... Listen up, disciples. When you give a dinner or a supper, don't ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just, Jesus says. What's the point? We ought to be involved as Christians in serving creatively to the glory of God. A thrilling challenge for every Christian. Find ways to help people, to serve people in ways that they can never repay. Somebody called me this week and said, Hey, Brother John, I hear you know a little bit about plumbing. I know that much about plumbing. Could you you fix a copper pipe? No way. 
can't fix a copper pipe. I'm sorry that that happened. I can't do it. There are others that can. Find ways to help others in ways that they could never repay. That's the kind of servanthood. That's the kind of creativity that Jesus requires of us, that he desires of us. How can we bless and help others to the glory of God? How about this? As you think about the service of Jesus and the way that he served, he was a sacrificial servant. A sacrificial servant. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus says, I came not to be served, but to serve, to give my life a ransom for many. I came to save people. And I'm willing to sacrifice everything, to give everything up so that other people can be saved. Think about this. When we talk about being servants, it's not just about helping people with their physical needs. It also has to do with helping people with where they need to be and how they can come to Christ spiritually. Spiritual things. And Jesus sacrificed And it's always sacrificial. If we're going to help somebody come to Christ, if we're going to help somebody to know God, there is always, always, always sacrifice demanded of us. Always. You have to give something up. You have to give up some of your time. You have to give up some of your opportunities, some of the things that you'd rather be doing maybe, some things that that are difficult. You have to do some gut-wrenching things sometimes in trying to help people come to a knowledge of God. That's the way it has always been. Read the book of Acts. Every single time the gospel went into new territory, the disciples always suffered. Every single time. Every time they went to a new city, a new town, a new country, somebody always got stoned or somebody was always mocked and beaten or somebody was always arrested and brought before the magistrates. That's just what serving people and helping them to know God entails because we live in a sin-sick world that's dominated by Satan. Jesus said, I came to save people from their sins, and I came to give my life a ransom for many. Matthew 26, 28, he says, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. He shed his blood so that people could be saved. Sacrificial. Proverbs 11, verse 30, he who wins souls is wise. You want to be a servant? You want to really help people in an eternal sense, in a sense that's going to make a difference in eternity? It requires sacrifice. It did for Jesus, and it does for us as well. Jesus paid the price. Jesus made it possible. Jesus made the avenue and opened the way to God. And when we tell people about his saving message, there's sacrifice involved for us as well. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 25, Peter reminds us that Jesus walked before us and he left us an example that we should follow in his footsteps. And then you know what Peter talks about? He talks about the cross. How Jesus, when he was reviled, reviled not again, but committed himself to God who judges righteously. We need to be more like our Savior when it comes to winning souls and understand that the price he paid was far greater than any price you and I might ever have to pay in order to bring someone to God. But it's about being a servant. It's about serving people and helping them to know what really matters in this life. Eight ways in which Jesus was an astoundingly good servant. And in each one of those eight areas... There is a lifetime of challenge and opportunity for you and me. 
Because no matter how great a servant you are, there's always room to be more like Jesus. If you're not a New Testament Christian tonight, Jesus calls you. He wants you to come to him, to give your life completely and utterly to him. That's what he wants more than anything. And he wants that so badly that he died so that you could be right with God. Believe in him. Confess his name. Repent of your sin. Be baptized. If we can help you with that this evening, if you had a need to respond publicly, won't you come while together we stand and while we sing? Time to speak, God.